Well, hello and welcome to this week's uh, Photographic Life. Um, I was on uh, a journey the uh, the other morning, uh, driving in the car, and um, I had a, a BBC playlist on my uh, Spotify. It's a thing you can do um, by listening to BBC on the radio, uh, on the radio app, the iPlayer app. Um, you can uh, just click on various tracks that you like and then export them uh, as a playlist to um, to Spotify and to other other kind of platforms. Anyway, uh, I was driving along the road and um, I had it on shuffle play and uh, music came up by the Flaming Lips, Gritty Politti, um, Mariachi Band, The Fall, Neil Diamond, Lamb Chop, Vic Goddard and the Subway Sack, The Violent Femmes, Yola Tango, Iron and Wine. I made a list uh, after hearing them because... What occurred to me was kind of the uh, eclecticism of that music, um, both from the, the periods where it was created and the kind of music and so forth. Whoever thought that Neil Diamond would follow Marky e. Smith? Anyway, what it made me sort of think about initially was, well, what would that be like if it was a photographer's playlist? What would I have on my photographer's playlist? Eugene Smith, Walker Evans, Paolo Reversi, William Klein, uh, Alice Tomlinson, Saul Leiter. A mix of the classics, new stuff, stuff I'm coming across uh, in various kind of places. Of course, what it really shows is the richness that's required of inspiration from different standpoints, from different places. And how it would be impossible to be inspired without having that input from different places. And I suppose, you know, for me, photography, I, I so often draw a metaphor between photography and uh, music. It would be mad to be studying photography, sorry, studying music, um, or working as a musician and not be aware of the work of Bob Dylan or the Beatles or Kanye West or... Um, Bach or, I don't know, just going all the way through. Frank Sinatra, you know, same if you were an architect, you would have a, a knowledge of the, the, the modern day and the classics from Indigo Jones right through to the modern day cutting edge architects uh, of, of the 21st century. So as photographers, surely we, be, we should be in the same place. Surely as people working within the medium, we should have a fascination with photography from all areas. And anybody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis will be well aware that the contributors we have each week do come from very, very different um, backgrounds and different kind of relationships with the photographic medium. For me, it would be madness to only be listening to heavy metal or to dismiss jazz, or to think that music didn't begin until, I don't know, 2011, shall we say. Just as it would be from a photographic perspective to ignore fashion photography or food photography or still life or portrait, whatever. It's interesting, recently I've been listening back over some of the contributors that we've had to the what does photography mean to you strand and it's interesting how many of them use the word documentary or describe themselves as documentary photographers 
I think in a sense, all photography is documentary. It's documentary, documenting what we see. It's documenting where we are and documenting that place of, of where we are, perhaps emotionally, as physically and, and spiritually. It's interesting, isn't it? When you take photography outside of that understanding of photography and apply it to other areas, how some of the practices that we adopt or take on board as being perfectly normal are actually not. Talking of music, um, each podcast begins and ends with a, a beautiful piece of, of cello music, and a few people have asked me about that. Um, somebody even joked that perhaps it was me. It definitely isn't. Um, the music was originally uh, written and performed by just one cellist, Laura Ritchie, who's Professor of Learning and Teaching in Music at the University of Chichester uh, in the UK. Uh, it was originally created as, as a series of stings, really, little uh, sk music sketches uh, for the Bill J film. And that particular piece, um, I really loved it. And so um, we used it uh, on this podcast. So check out Laura Ritchie. You can check her out uh, online. She has a fantastic blog if you're interested in learning and education. As we seem to have a bit of a music theme uh, this week, uh, just uh, nothing I enjoy more than coming across uh, a piece of music by somebody I've never heard of before. And um, same thing happened recently um, concerning photography. Um, Rachel Boylot, or Boylow, I'm not sure quite how you pronounce it. I'm sorry, Rachel, if I've got that wrong, is a photographer, filmmaker, and educator uh, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, she holds a BA in sociology from Tufts uh, University and a BFA in photography from the uh, School and Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and an MFA in experimental and documentary arts from Duke University. Her work has been funded by the Annenberg Foundation in LA, uh, Riverview Foundation in Tennessee and the Tennessee Arts Commission in Nashville. And she was recently awarded the annual Photo NOLA uh, Review Award in New York and is a 2018 critical mass finalist. Um, what drew me to Rachel was her work and it made me I suppose I've got I've always had this love for that quiet South uh, Southern American kind of um, storytelling in, in music and um, also in photography and um, the work on her website certainly seduced me with its um, subtle and sensitive storytelling and um made me reach out to her and ask her the question we ask every week, which is, uh, what does photography mean to you? For me, photography is about grappling with the unknown every time. I set up somewhere to make a photograph, and in the act of making my picture, the thing itself is forever altered as it registers on a two-dimensional plane written in the language of light and time. And in the act of photographing it, while I'm engaged in the process, I just don't know what the end result will look like. There's something so perpetually wonderful about that that I hardly know how to articulate it. I never know what the end result will look like, even though I see the thing itself before me. Photography is an invitation to mystery time and time again, and those mysteries they keep me believing in the possibilities of life itself. 
perhaps the greater unknown, even more than what the photograph will look like, is what I'm going to do with the picture or why I'm making it at all. Time and time again, I'm asked that question. And the truth is that I really don't know. And honestly, in the midst of a project, when I'm working on a series, I don't really want to know quite yet. That sort of understanding comes later. My best answer is to quote Gary Winogrand. I photograph to find out what something looks like photographed. Photography is ultimately my dance with the variables of control and chance. I set up the camera and take a reading in order to know how to make a proper exposure for the set of conditions I have been given, or that I have chosen, rather. But then anything can happen, even without moving the camera. I shoot with a 4x5 view camera. Once I'm set up, I'm bound to the tripod. And nothing can happen or everything can happen. A bird flies, someone blinks, the pages flutter in the wind. These are the moments of serendipity I live for. Put simply, I like to see what can happen or what will happen. For me, these subtle moments become life-affirming events. All that said, I'm not some mystic. I photograph in the documentary style and my work follows in that tradition. In my process, as I'm photographing, I'm working on an unknown, but the hope, the hope is that later on, once the photograph has been made and exists as an object, the hope is not for it to remain entirely shrouded in mystery. The hope is for it to tell us just enough. Just enough for there to be some identification while the rest remains open to interpretation. There's no specific ratio between the known and unknown I'm shooting for. This is an imperfect science. As long as it makes the heart sing, really, that's what I'm shooting for. Something that makes the heart sing. I do believe photography is a narrative medium. It beckons at story. I don't think it ever tells the full story, but I think it's all the more wonderful for it. Its lack is the viewer's opportunity. The gaps in fully formed narrative become the invitation to imagination. And that really is what allows each of us to make it our own. I mean, photographers make pictures, but these images, they have second lives in the hands of each viewer. And for a viewer to really identify with a picture, to really love its story, they have to become implicated in its narrative web somehow. They have to be invited to contribute, to imagine. One of the best uses of photography, of course, is its ability to preserve time, to document moments for the canon of history. Images become timestamps, they tell us later of the way things were, and for that reason, I believe they accumulate meaning over the course of time. This photographic language is about writing with light. It's about painting in time. If the cinema is, as Tarkovsky said, about sculpting in time, photography is painting in time. And this language, this language of light and time, it's the most wonderful thing I know. Uh, it seems appropriate that um, 
on an episode when we've spoken so much about music that uh, our contributor comes from Nashville. I should also say, and thank you very much, Rachel, for that really considered response to the question, that as I made such an absolute mess of pronouncing Rachel's surname, it's Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, and then her surname, which I'm not going to try again, is B-O-I-L-L-O-T. You can have your own uh, go at pronouncing that. What's interesting, I've been talking a lot about narrative uh, over the last week or so with various people, photographic narrative and visual language. And um, it was interesting there to hear Rachel talking so much about narrative and storytelling and also writing with light. Um, I saw um, a quote from the photographer Joel Mervitz, which had been posted by uh, Andy Adams, who we've spoken about on a previous podcast. Um, he'd posted it on Facebook. So unfortunately, there was no context given as to where it had come from. But I thought it was worth um, just kind of repeating, really. Um, Mervit said this, in the largest sense, if you think of photography as a language, it's now a language that billions of people around the world speak. It used to be much more secretive. You might have a camera you used for family outings and holidays, but there wasn't the number of people who bought a camera to make art that we have today. There's this vast international explosion of people communicating through images that show us a commonality across the world in the way we live our lives, the things that are meaningful to us. So I see it as a tool for disseminating a kind of humanistic expression that makes us all closer to each other. We feel each other's pain in a more continuous way. So I see it as an incredible leap forward for human communication. I have to say, I, uh, I agree with Joel on that. It's very much um, how I see photography and, and where we are with photography at the moment. And it's certainly um, in the last week, I've been working on the final um, proofs for my book, which comes out later this year, uh, New Ways of Seeing uh, the Democratic Language of Photography. I can only see positives um, with this. I can't see negatives. So it was therefore a shame that people still felt a need on that Facebook page to place some negative comments to those words by Mervitz. Um, it's, I suppose, feeds into that sense of um, maybe a, a sense of lack of control or uh, negativity that does seem to um, be very uh, prevalent at the moment um, when change is put forward or people put forward a positive um, outlook, a positive spin on what's currently happening with photography. It isn't the same as it used to be and there's nothing wrong in my eyes uh, with using the smartphone uh, as a um, a principal camera it's certainly something I do all of the time interestingly enough um, on the day I'm recording this podcast I saw that um, Japanese Vogue have just created an entire issue um, photographed on a on a smartphone um, they named the smartphone I think it was the uh, Google Pixel so uh, always a my antenna are up that perhaps that could have been an, an advertising ploy and I'm sure um, something like that um, 
took place but but whatever it it goes to show that the quality of the image can still be strong with the smartphone for me it's just another tool in the camera bag it isn't about a replacement but i will ask the question as to when was the last time you were at an event where the general public shall we call them the non-professional photographic community were at how many people there actually had cameras and how many people were using their phones as cameras? I know I was walking in the park uh, at the weekend um, with my family and uh, a guy walked towards me uh, with a camera around his neck. It was a new uh, Lumix of some kind and it caught my eye. I, I instantly, made, I took a, a second look, I suppose. And it made me just think, wow, there's a guy with a camera. I wonder what he's doing. He must be taking photographs. Strange, isn't it? How uh, quickly, over a relatively short space of time, the ways in which we can see the medium that we are so engaged with um, can change. One of the conversations I've had most over the last week has been about context for photography. Where does the photography sit? And when I'm asked about uh, earning a living or trying to get commissioned um, as a photographer, it's for me the one question that I ask first, but where do you see that work sitting? Where do you see this work existing? That has to be the beginning of an understanding of context for where that work could potentially be commissioned. It's a conversation that I suppose I'll never get tired of having, but it's kind of a shame that it's not being taught, it would appear, uh, in more uh, places of academic learning. Maybe it's something that seems too straightforward and too simple to teach. I don't know. I know, and I do know a number of colleges who are really good at teaching, um, so by no means am I using a broad uh, brush stroke here, I hope. But what I am doing is reflecting what I'm being told. And what I'm being told is, I wasn't taught that. Anyway, um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast with a slightly music-based flavour. Maybe I should have been more organised and had a, a music photographer. Um, but nothing is very organised about, um, as it's now being coming, uh, now being known and being referred to as the Shedcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed this week's episode, do please go back over previous episodes. I'm sure there's lots there for you to explore. And uh, why not um, subscribe? Um, on whichever platform you're listening to this on. As I always say, if you are listening via iTunes, it really helps us. Uh, if you could leave a review or leave a rating, that would be really kind and very beneficial. Um, if you leave uh, listening on other platforms, then also if you could leave some kind of a review or rating, that will help us always. Uh, as I said last week, this is a free um podcast i ask for no money um, for you to listen and uh, no money exchanges hands for it to be created i was considering recently um a few people have been in touch with me about uh, sponsoring the podcast and and i was thinking about that as a as an option 
but listening to a few other podcasts recently and realized that the first two, three, four minutes of the podcast were taken up by sponsorship uh, requirements, I decided that um, this is going to stay sponsorship free, certainly for uh, the very near future, maybe forever, who knows. Anyway, I hope you have a good week coming up. Um, Stay busy, stay happy, and of course, take care. Thank you.